she's like, oh, something I've got to ask you. And I'm like, what, what, what? Like still sleeping from like, the night before. And she just took this magazine and she fucking threw it across the room. And she's like, why the fuck is this magazine? And she goes, she goes are you gay? What's this magazine? And I'm like, I only bought it for the Gary Barr article. That's all I bought it for. <laughs> Hello, my name is Kay Anderson and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories they created there, and the people that they used to know. This week, we are heading to the northern Scottish city of Aberdeen for some old-school drag glamour. We are talking to none other than the mama of Aberdeen's drag scene, Romy Deepcheeks, a queen who has been pioneering the art form in the city since the early noughties. We caught up to talk about the scene and discuss lost spaces, including Club 2000, Castro's and Foundation. But in typical lost spaces style, we also talk about a whole host of tangentially related things, including Romy's coming out relatively late in life at 28, being excommunicated by the Mormon church, hooking up with men whilst in drag, and as a bonus, I get to ask a bunch of really ignorant sounding questions about the fine art of tucking. Even when I'm Stephen, when I'm obviously as a bloke all the time, I'm pretty much the same what I'm, as, as, as I am now. I'm sort of like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I'm in your face, but like I speak to everybody and we, like, we have a laugh. I'm like, there's always like a double entendre with everything we speak about and that kind of stuff, which is kind of what I do when I'm doing an act anyway. I don't, I don't put on like a different voice just because I'm Romy. I, this is how I speak anyway. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. how, you, how you see me on camera just now is how Romy just is. <laughs> but but are you wearing heels though i'm not wearing heels just now i do apologize <laughs> no i'm not wearing heels oh you didn't go to all that effort oh, no. <laughs> not just i'm sitting down I, I, trousers. I, have, I have tucked though even though you can't see i have done the whole tucking thing why just because <laughs> it's just i know just because when i do drag i just like to do it properly does it like help you get into the mindset it, kind of get, it helps kind of get into the character but like doesn't it i mean okay so i know this is a really tedious thing for you to discuss but like doesn't it hurt <laughs> not really really i could be i've been i've been tucked for as long as i've been to if, if you do like i've done pride before and i've seen me being tucked for like 13 14 hours and so when you're tucked you can't pee depends what you're wearing like some queens. Okay, because okay, just to make sure that I'm not like totally making this up. So you poke your balls up inside you where they were before they before they, they drop down, and then you pull the penis like between back. your between your legs. Yeah, right between your legs, as far as you, as far as you can. Okay, so this this thing like pushing it up, I think it's one of those things like m- maybe just 
sounds like it's going to really hurt and i just have this kind of physical response it doesn't hurt at all it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't hurt at all but like how do you how do you know that you're pushing it in the right direction kind of like well if you pull your dick back if you pull your dick without pushing your balls up your balls kind of like naturally go back to back up to where they should anyway oh really yeah so if you like i need to spend more time with my balls (laughs) So when you come off of this call, if you like pull your dip between your le- <laughs> pull your dip between your legs, you're they wait, generally just hang on. Wait, wait. Stand up. <laughs> <laughs> Am I doing this right? Uh. <laughs> so it's not uncomfortable. I mean, I'm, when I'm sitting down, I'm like sitting on my dick just now because obviously between my legs, it's not. You can feel it, but it's not uncomfortable or anything. Oh. I, the first couple of times, yeah, it probably was, but as long as you tuck away properly, you don't have like, like any bits of like foreskin like hanging between it depends what you use because some queens will use like the whole duct tape thing i don't use duct tape i think i've used duct tape once and i was like that is fucking sore i'm not using that again so i so i tuck and i just use a pair of really tight speedos to keep everything in and okay and then so when you're done and you like uh, your cock flaps back out does everything just naturally descend or is it does it take a few hours no it just descends straight away Oh, okay. Like, if I so if I'm working in the bar on a Saturday night, um, like I don't drink loads and loads and loads, so I don't need to go to the toilet. Yeah. Because yeah. depending what you're wearing, you might have to take all of your clothes off to go for a piss. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're wearing like a full bodysuit, and then you've got to take yeah. off the bodysuit, and then you've got on like your tights, and underneath the tights you've got your stuff that's keeping them tucked away. So when I'm tucked away, I've got a pair of speedos which keeps everything tucked away nice and neatly. And on top of that, I've got like a um, a pair of spanks to give myself a better shape. Then on top of that, I've got two pairs of tights. Then on top of the tights, I've got like a, a pair of ladies' knickers or like a little thong or something. So there's five layers there keeping it all in. So, so after like a, so after like five or six hours in the bar, by the time you go upstairs, like you do need to go to the toilet. <laughs> But like you know, but you know, like when you see a toilet and like you need to go even, you need to go even more. You're like, oh my god, I need to go to the toilet. <laughs> but like, okay, so my like pre-stage, like pre-going on stage thing is like, well, whenever I'm nervous, it's just like I just pee a lot. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's not your thing then. No, not at all. Like, I'm, I'm, I think just because I'm used to doing it, because I, if I know I'm going to be working, like while, I, for example, if, if I'm getting ready to go to the bar, like I won't sit and like drink all night. I'll just have like a small glass of juice and just like sip on it. So I haven't got a full bladder by the time I go to the bar. But then I always make sure that while I'm getting ready, if I do need to go to the toilet, that I hold it in for as long as I possibly can. And the last thing I do before I start tucking and putting anything on, like, is go for a pee, and that, that's me sorting for the entire night. I very, 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 very rarely have to go to a toilet break when I'm working, just because I don't need to go. And have you ever considered, because you're wearing lots of layers anyway, just getting, like, some nappies? Some nappies. <laughs> I never thought about wearing a nappy. That's not my thing, dear. <laughs> I mean, you know, it could change the act. I'm just saying, just putting it out there. Um, so, so, twenty years ago is when you started drag. Shall we yes. go back in time to that to that moment? Yeah, that's no problem. What inspired you? Um, well, I didn't come, this is, this could be quite a long story, so shut me up if you, shut me up if you want good. me to. Okay, so I didn't, I didn't come out till I was 28. I was a, a late comer-outer because I was married. Um, and that's the official term, comer-outer. 
Well, this has been well, what, what, coming out. Yeah, that's just me coming, coming, yeah, coming out. I'm just making it up. <laughs> that's my official term. So that didn't happen until I was 28. Um, and the first boyfriend that I had after the marriage split up, he took me to Funny Girls in Blackpool. Which is a Prior big, like, it's, it's like an ongoing drag show. It's yeah, like every, it's like a every burlesque. Night, it's a, yeah, but I, th- I, I think it runs six nights a week. I, I think it's been going for years and years and years. Mm. Um, so he took me there this night because you're, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And I knew I would love it, but I had no intention of ever doing it. You know what I mean? Um, so I went in and I was just in awe of like all the drag queens because they were like, they were so beautiful and like the jewelry and the hair and the makeup. I'm like, oh, they're so pretty. They're so pretty. Um, and so a couple of months later, I went back to Funny Girls with one of, not with my boyfriend, but with like just, just a friend at the time. And I'm like, right, let's go to Funny Girls and let's just like buy some really cheap clothes and like a couple of cheap wigs and just like go and drag for one night only just like to, to get in the swing of things. What was your friend's response then? Were they like, "Oh, okay, fine"? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. He was totally up. Yeah, he was totally up for it as well. Yeah, he totally wanted to do it. He was up for it, no problem. So we went out. Um, we bought like proper, like you know, the big platform heels. Um, I bought my very first dress, which I still have to this day, although I don't wear it, but I keep it for I keep it for sentimental reasons. Um, and we bought really cheap, shitty wigs for like fifteen quid. You know what I mean? Thinking they look brilliant. We went to we went to like a local hairdresser in Blackpool, and we're like, you know, can we use something with this wig? they're like well not very much we'll do our best it only cost you 15 quid for fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> so they did what they could with this so we went to funny girls and wait before so before we get there before we get to funny girls what was that like yeah. then so i'm assuming you were in a bed and breakfast you put the the drag on for the first time yeah yeah how like how did that make you feel it was kind of like funny to begin with because we look because we just looked like awful on the first night, you know what I mean? Because I'd never done drag before. I'd never, um, you know, we hadn't been shown how to do makeup or all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I went I went out with no tits in that night, so I was just like flat chested. You know what I mean? So you <laughs> so didn't I take like some off. socks and just shove them in. No, I just I mean I I looked. I thought I looked amazing on that night, um, and I've got a picture from that night, and I didn't look amazing, but I thought I looked amazing, <laughs> and I just went into Funny Girls, and I went to Funny Girls, I'm like, hey, look at me, everybody, and because obviously of, of the kind of bar it was, even though we looked shit, people were still like, oh yeah, you look amazing, you look great, <laughs> and so two of the two of the Funny Girls who are working, um, who were off duty that night, they weren't working, so they were dressed as guys, um, said to me and my friends. Yeah, the dresses are good, the heels are good, the wigs ain't that good, your makeup's pretty shit. Come to our house tomorrow and we'll show you how to do it properly. Oh, wow. So, so they gave us their dress. We met up with them the following day um, and they did they, they did our makeup for us, let us borrow a couple of their wigs. We kept the same dresses and the same heels because they were fine. And we actually went out with tits this night as well. And the attention we got, we went out on the second night, was even better than the first night because we looked so much better. Oh, wow. That's so kind. You had like fairy godmothers. Yeah, they were really nice. I mean, the look they gave us then is not the look I use now, but it was still, at the time, it was like, yeah, I loved it. So we came back to Aberdeen. Um, the drag scene here was completely and utterly non-existent. Mm-hmm. So again, we were like, right, let's, go in, let's go out on Saturday night in Aberdeen, like just for a laugh, like just once because like it never gets done. So we went out, no one had a, and we were quite well known on the scene back then, but obviously as guys, um, and we went into the club, everyone's like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know who we were. So then of course, when they realized who we were and after that, we got such a good reception from them, 
I've just done it ever since. I just, I just, I just loved it. Uh, The whole getting dressed up, like buying new outfits. And so that was like, what, 20 years ago. The guy who did it with me then doesn't do it now. He like, we kind of like, he's, he's moved away since. Um, but yeah, so that was the very first time I did it. So was it just like all systems go like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Or were there moments of like, do I, should I, can I? Oh no, I wanted to do it because as I said, when I was like, when I was uh, very, very small, like maybe three, four years old, when I went like to nursery school, um, there was um, dressing up boxes at nursery school. There was a boys corner and there was a girls corner. So of course all the boys stuff had the other cowboys and the Indians and that kind of stuff. And the girls had like, you know, the wigs, the little tutus, the little dressing tables to like brush her long hair and everything. So every day my mum came and picked me up. The teachers, were, my mum my mom would be like, you know, where's Stephen? <laughs> oh, he's in the girls' corner. But he's in the girls' corner brushing his hair. <laughs> so it kind of felt like, oh my God, I can actually like get dressed up and like, everyone's going to look at me and think I look, look, think I look brilliant because it's something that I'd always kind of wanted to do. Um, but then, of course, the whole marriage was a different, that was a different story. So I couldn't do it then. Yeah. Um, I, used to sneak, I used to sneak on her like wedding dress every now and then to see what it looked like on me. Ah. <laughs> So, um, so yeah so are we able to talk about your marriage then yeah yeah of course of course so why like what happened why did they get married yeah um well well i was a teenager in the 1980s mm-hmm. sort of late 80s you know it was very very different back then um i was raised in quite a religious had quite a religious upbringing because my mum and dad are mormons mm-hmm. And so I was brought up in the Mormon faith up until I was like 16. So you know, they have they have certain teachings. You know, they encourage you to get married and like have a family and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I got my first part-time job and kind of like fell away because all the, the, the staff used to go out and drink at the weekends and they were smoking. So I kind of like started doing that and everything. Still lived at home, obviously, with my parents. They weren't happy, but, you know, they were happy that I was, wasn't bringing me any harm to myself, so to speak. Mm. Um, and then I met um, the girl that I married because she was actually my boss at the at Wimpy where I worked. Oh, Wimpy. So she was like Aww. my... So she, yeah, Wimpy. <laughs> then it, well, it was Wimpy, and then it changed to Burger King, like, in the early 90s. So I kind of worked for both. Um, but, yeah, that's what we met. She was my, she was my boss at, um, at Wimpy. And back then it was like, oh my gosh, she's 21, you're only 16 years old. That's a five-year difference. There's nothing these days. But back then, because I was going out with like one of the managers, they're like, oh my gosh, Stephen's going out with one of the managers. Why is he doing that? And she was all and she was married at the time to somebody else when we started going out with each other. Ah, oh wow. <laughs> so it kind of got a bit um yeah, it kind of got a bit hard um as like she started from her first husband and then me and her got together and there was like um element of fear walking down the street because her husband at the time was like after me and that kind of stuff um but it all turned out okay because we eventually got married after five years of being together yeah i got married when i was 21 so that was fine and um, so the marriage was fine we have got two um two daughters out of it so i've got a 26 year old and i've got a 24 year old and <sighs> um, they both they both live here in Aberdeen. Uh, so then you were married for like seven seven years Seven years, yeah, from 21 to 28. And uh, how did it end? Was it just that you realised? Well, I kind of realised um, that it was guys that I really liked. Um, and so we were having kind of like problems anyway, just like with other things. She was like a workaholic and she was never, she was never having the kids, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. 
And so if, if there was never an opportunity to have like a night out somewhere, maybe like a staff night out or that kind of thing, I would always go because it gave me the op- ideal opportunity to go like to the gay club. And that's why I wanted to go. I wanted to explore that side of things. Um, and then I was getting to the point because I, I wasn't really unfaithful to her until like like the last three months of our mm. marriage. Up until then, for the whole seven years we were married, I wasn't unfaithful to her at all. I like tried to fight the feelings um, and then, as I say, the last three months, I was like, oh, fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> so she found out because she went snooping in some of my belongings. And she found things which she wasn't happy with. <laughs> Were they publications? Were they toys? Were they love letters? No, they weren't toys. All it was was a copy of Attitude magazine. That's oh, okay. all it was. Um, and she found it because I bought, I bought it and then I hid it like... In the bottom of my chest of drawers, so she wouldn't find it. And you it. only bought it for the articles, right? I, oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, I didn't buy it for the adverts or anything. <laughs> I actually remember the the issue that I bought was actually it was an interview with Gary Barlow, and so he was right on the front page. So when she found this magazine, which I didn't know because I was working the night she found it, and it wasn't until the following morning where I kind of like come in from work from late the night before, and then uh, she put the kids off the childminder, and. She's like, oh, something I've got to ask you. And I'm like, what, what, what? Like still sleeping from like, the night before. And she just took this magazine and she fucking threw it across the room. And she's like, what the fuck is this magazine? And she goes, she goes are you gay? What's this magazine? And I'm like, I only bought it for the Gary Barlow article. That's all I bought it for. <laughs> so she then ripped out the Gary Barlow pages and she threw them at me. She goes, here's your fucking Gary Barlow interview. <laughs> and she, I can't remember what happened with the magazine. I really can't remember. But that's how she found out because she was like, she found it in the bottom of my drawer. And is, Ga- is Gary Barlow a hill that you're prepared to die on? <laughs> I didn't even like him for fuck's sake now. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, few, few. Yeah. Um, but I was getting, when, when she found that, I was getting to the stage was like right, I need to tell her because I'd been like I'd been with a couple I'd, I think I'd only be one guy mm. at this point um, but there was another guy who's interested in him and I'm like I'm not going to go with you or be your partner until I've told her what's going on so it was getting to the stage that, that was going to have to happen and then of course she beat me too when she found the bloody magazine and from there kind of went well it didn't go down went downhill for her but it didn't go downhill for me I was having quite a lot of fun so like so then you did have that conversation because of that magazine it wasn't just like no 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 don't be silly and then you repressed it for a while longer i did kind of deny it i'm like this is, i'm like this is stupid it's stupid mm. <laughs> but um because i'd been having like i'd had like a couple of staff nights out well that's what i said and i hadn't come home a couple of nights um and i guess she i, I think i think she could like sense it that i wasn't like that i was like anxious about something because i knew i was gonna have to tell her but i thought I was hiding it quite well but obviously mm-hmm. I wasn't hiding it that well because she knew there was something wrong and then when she found that magazine she was like yeah you mm. are <laughs> there's a funny thing isn't there like to to, pre- yeah. to not have to to come out and say it come out to not have to come out and say yeah, it yeah. Like you kind of lay these clues subconsciously um it's really fascinating yeah, yeah. so what was the fallout of that like um i stayed with her for another month after that because she was kind of like hoping it was just like a phase i was going through and it's like i'm 28 it ain't a phase love (laughs) it ain't a phase it's what i want but it stayed for another month or so with her in the home which we had together um and then she could obviously see that i wasn't going to change my mind i didn't want to stay with her 
Um, so I had to move back to my folks' house for just for a few months until I got my own place and everything. What was it like then moving back into your parents' house, and what what was their reaction? Um, it was it was it was fine. I mean, they supported anything that I obviously said or did, um, but they were still um, like Mormons at this point as well. I mean, so I was still a Mormon mm. at this point as well. Um, and obviously something which you're not allowed, you're not allowed to be a homosexual if you're a Mormon. Um, so then I had to go through the whole process of going to a, um, what we call our bishop and speaking to him and letting him know. I had to go through a whole excommunication process. So I was no longer sort of like banished from the church and everything. Well, there's a process. <laughs> it's not just like you're, you're yeah. excommunicated, see ya. Like you have, do you have to fill in forms? No, the, the, they take, they, it's not something to fill in forms. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's much. They open in forms. They hold like a, it's what they call like a church court, and they have like all these people here. They have like the head of the Mormon Church, who was the head of the Mormon Church in Aberdeen at that time, and he kind of like asks you questions. And they have like six guys speaking for you and six guys speaking against you, and then you've got to like stand up and like say like how you're feeling and like <gasps> why you're doing this. And they give you challenges. They give you like stuff to read out the Bible. They read the stuff out of the Bible, and you'll find your answer from God and blah blah blah. I'm like. I won't find my answer from God because I'm 28 and this is what I want to do. I'm not going to, so, like, and they gave me a deadline as well. They're like, they will give you, like, two weeks to do all of this. And if you come back to us in two weeks' time and you're still, you know, doing what you're doing, that'll be the end of your, your membership. What, so at the end of those two weeks. End of those so, and so these, like, the six guys and the six guys, was it like a debate? They were, like, yeah. for and against? It's like, it, it, well, they, 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 yeah, kind of, oh. yeah. Kind of. And then I then I could take people in with me to speak like for me as well. So like my dad came in with me um, and my sister came in with me as well, my younger sister. Um, like me and my dad never had, I was closer to, mom, the, the, to mm-hmm. my mum than I was to my dad. Like cause I never, even when I was younger, I never liked you know, the rough and tumble. I didn't like the things like the football and the rugby and any sporty things or physical things. And my dad loved mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. And I just wouldn't do it with him because I just, I yeah, just didn't yeah. like doing it. You know what I mean? So when he so when he came in to sort of like speak for me, like he referred back to my childhood, saying he like you know Steve was trying to do the right thing here, and he's always been had like such a sensitive nature and be quite a gentle little lad, and you know so coming this hasn't really come as a surprise to us. And then he broke down in tears like in front of all the guys that were there because I was like, oh my god, what are you crying wow. for? <laughs> So he, so he got quite emotional as well. And then my sister, she started crying because my dad started crying. Then I was crying because they were crying. I was like, oh my God. <gasps> wow. <laughs> because like the moment, like, because the Mormon side of things was, was like, like, I would never ever go back. Um, I wouldn't be allowed to go back. There is still a couple of, there's still a few of the things which they teach that I believe in. Like they're quite a family orientated, mm. um, like religion. And like my family's important. My family's still important to me now. Um, so there's a couple of things which I would miss and it was such a big part of my life for such a long time. That's why the three of us got so emotional because like, I got married. I, cause, cause when I got married, I got married in the Mormon church as well. And then my wife at the time, she also joined and became a Mormon. So we were like one big happy Mormon family for a very short time. <laughs> Only for a short time though. <laughs> ah. So, and then what was your speech then? What, at the, ch- at the church court? Yeah. Were you just like, listen, I just want to suck dick. Let me go. Oh, God. I, yeah, but I obviously it wasn't quite as blunt and frank <laughs> as that. I mean, you would have saved time. Because when you have these church courts, you, like, you don't have to go to re- represent, re- represent yourself, but they will still go ahead and do it anyway. And a lot of people... <laughs> 
you know, a lot of people, for example, if you commit if you commit adultery, you would get thrown at the Mormon uh-huh. church. If you there's there's a few things you could do to get thrown at the Mormon church. And some folk don't turn up, and I'm like, fuck you. I'm not gonna sit there like when I'm not then let you guys speak about me. So I'm gonna go and I'm gonna speak for myself and let you know how I feel and what I'm gonna be doing. And and so, the, and so, so that's exactly so, okay, what I did. So if you choose if you chose not to go and they held the court without you, would they then yeah. like send you like minutes from the meeting? <laughs> They would send. They, would, they wouldn't send you. The, they wouldn't send you the minutes as such, but they would send you a letter saying that we held the court in your, um, in your absence. This is a decision that was made, and you now, um, you now like excommunicate, no longer a member of the church. <gasps> I think I've still got the letter somewhere. Oh, I think wow. if I just keep for, the, for, the, for nostalgic reasons, I'd have to so go what, break like, it we out are somewhere. excommunicating you because you are a buffer. Because <laughs> you're homosexual. Because you're a bump basher. Wow, that's so formal. <laughs> I know, very formal. Very formal. My mum and dad are still mm. Mormons now. I mean, they joined in 1971 when I was I was literally just been born when they joined. So they've been mm-hmm. Mormons for like 50 years. And so, what does that mean then for your relationship with your parents? Oh, it's absolutely fine. It doesn't it hasn't hindered us whatsoever. Because even going back 20 years, when I, like when I when I did come out, they made it very clear, very plain. Then it doesn't matter who you are or what you are. You know, you're still. Just oh, our son, still love you. So I'm like, look at me now, look at me now. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Yeah. Um, okay, so let's then go back to dr- drag and your first time in drag. Okay. So you were saying that um, there was just like no drag scene in Aberdeen at that time. Yeah. And so then, was there a stigma around being a drag queen? Um, not really. It was more of, more of a fascination. Mm-hmm. From because I said because there was no one doing it in Aberdeen at all, the whole club were just like fascinated with it. Because when I when I've got on my gear on it anyway, I'm six foot two without mm. any heels on anyway. So when I wear my five five inch heels and my massive hair from the top of my hair down to the floor, I'm about seven foot two. So I'm this big fucking huge queen that just like walks around. <laughs> <laughs> so it was more of a fa- it wasn't a stigma. It was more of a fascination and like because first of all they're like who the fuck's that. <laughs> And I'm like, it's me. <laughs> yeah, that must have been really weird. Like the way that people uh, suddenly interact with you in a very different way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What um, what happened on that first night then when you went out? Were you just like the bell of the ball? Oh, yeah. I can't, I've still got, the, I'm sure I've still got, them. I've still got pictures. I've got, still got the outfits and everything. I wouldn't wear them now, but I just like keep it for nostalgic reasons. But when I went out with the first time I did, we obviously had our little um, like session with the drag queens in Blackpool. By that point, so we had a bit on, more of a better yeah. idea how to do the makeup. We still weren't, you know, we still looked pretty shit, even though, uh, but we looked better than we did at the, on the first night. Um, well, it's a rite of passage. You have to have like a, a few months of being crunchy. Yeah, right? absolutely. And then how quickly did you go from just swanning around the club to performing? Um, that was, oh, a good couple of years because I was, and I was just literally just going out on a Friday and Saturday night, just getting dragged up. I wasn't earning money. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't working doing it. I just wanted to go out Mm -hmm. because I just wanted to get glammed up. So I'd go out every weekend, you know, and that's how my collection of clothes started building up. Um, I started getting wigs, which were a little bit better. I had a friend with a style before me, whatever. So I was getting, I was getting to look better at doing it. Um, and so it wasn't until one day we went to the club one night and they were doing a they were doing a shag tag thing this next weekend and the owner came up to me and he's like we need a hostess to to do this shag tag he goes no you stand at the door you can hand up the numbers what, so what, what's shag tag a shag tag is you've never heard of a shag tag 
<laughs> a no. shag tag is when should you... i be ashamed of myself no so a shag, <laughs> so a shag tag is when like, like you go into the club and as each person comes to the club you give them a number oh is it like um, a traffic light kind of party I guess so. So if you see the guy of the number of the number you like, you would like send him a message or um, they would have like a big notice board on the back of the back of a dance floor. So if you saw, say, you like number 14, you would go and leave a message for number 14 on the notice board. And then they would then you'd go and check the notice ah. board. You'd have to go try and find the person who left the message for you. So it's like lo-fi grinder. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> but just written on but just written on bits of paper. So I did so that was the first so that was the first night that um I earned money doing it. And then but from was then it, what on, were you doing? Oh, for the shag tag, I was yeah. just standing hand. I was just, I was literally just in the door, like just welcoming people, just handing the numbers out. Oh, and that okay, was about okay. it. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't performing a stuff. Like, I wasn't singing and performing a stuff like that. So I, I didn't really do that in the early days. You weren't like getting um, the message from the board and like going and finding number ten and being like. Number 15 left you this message. <laughs> no, I was leaving, no, I was leaving that for them to do. I probably would do that now, but it was my, it was my very first night. And I was, although I loved getting dressed up, I was kind of like, oh my God, I'm getting paid for actually doing something that I, that I like, like doing. I was actually quite nervous on the first night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was the very first night that I did. I got paid for it. And then from then, um, just started getting work and gigs in all the time. Um, what is the scene like in Aberdeen then? Is it very incestuous and small? Sorry, it's it's I wouldn't say it's incestuous, <laughs> but it is it is quite a, it is quite a small scene. Um because we've only as I say, we've only got the bar that I currently work in. It's only got a capacity of about oh maybe two hundred. Mm-hmm. So it's not a huge, huge it's quite it is nice because it's quite intimate and it's the bar that's been in existence for the longest on the gay scene. You know, all the others might have only last like a couple of years and they close down or they catch fire. Um, <laughs> but um, Cheers has been on the go now for 14, 15 years um, it's quite a nice wee scene but th- to sometimes you do think well Aberdeen probably is big enough to cope with like more than one gay club but as mm-hmm. people are loyal to when the new one opens they'll go to the new one <laughs> <laughs> so then so Castro's how long did it last how long was it around um, oh only about only a good, maybe, maybe two or three years maybe Oh, okay. yes, it wasn't like, but it, it was, but as I say, it was one of my favorite clubs because that was where like Romy started to flourish. That's why it's got some happy memories for me. Mm-hmm. How did her flourishing impact on your day to day life? Um, I think it made me probably realize probably who I wanted to be and what I wanted to be because I think I've been, I've, I've been held back for so long through like the, the, the married years and like the Mormon years. And looking back on it now, I think I said it, I said it earlier on. I probably knew back then, back in the eighties, that I probably was gay, but like just didn't did, did nothing about it back then, because um, I didn't realize what the feelings were. So it's definitely helped to shape me as a person to, um, today. Yeah, and I'm definitely happy with the queen that I've become. <laughs> <laughs> how um how are your kids with your drag? Oh, they're fine. It doesn't bother them at all. It doesn't bother them in the slightest. They've always they've always known that I've done it since I started doing it um and it doesn't it doesn't who do they like hanging out with most well Romy doesn't Romy doesn't really hang out at home very much because <laughs> i've got no one here just now because i've got no one here just now because of my daughters don't live here so i'm just here myself just now but Romy doesn't really hang out at home very much um because as much as i love as much as i love doing it 
it is a relief when you come home and just take all the gear off <laughs> after like a long, hot, sweaty night. That's you know, there is a relief to get everything off. But they're fine. But they're fine with it because my oldest daughter, she's quite a part. She's quite a party animal. Um, so if, if she's in town, like some of her, some of her friends would be like, oh, let's go see your dad. Let's go see your dad. And she's like, oh, must we? <laughs> <laughs> in a nice way, of course. Oh yeah. 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 And that kind of embarrassment that only your daughter can have. Yes. They're, yeah. That's, they're, they're, to- they're totally, fi- they're totally fine with that. Absolutely fine. Absolutely fine with that. Uh, and so, so Castro's was a magical place, but it, but it, it burnt. It shone brightly and briefly. Yeah, and then fucking yeah. burnt to the ground. And then it burnt to the yeah. ground. And then Foundation sprung up. Yes. So well, there was, there was, there was, was, there was, there was there was another club between there, but Foundation was there was a good club because the, the layout was all good. It had like a separate drinking area, a separate dance floor area. Um, it was really big compared to others, like the little pokey clubs which we had in the past. Um, and that lasted a good few years as well, um, because I was also working in the bar that I'm in just now. This is the only time in Aberdeen when we had a bar. Um, the bar that I work has also got a club upstairs, um, and that worked along with Foundation for a good couple of years. Um, and then it, en- oh, then, okay. it, then it ended up being Foundation that fizzled out because I think the guy who owned it owed too much money to somebody. That's what happened, I think. So they had to. It went bust. Ah, so are there any like stories or anything like any kind of nights that you particularly remember in Castro's or in Foundation? Well, ones that I can repeat. Ones that you're happy for people to hear about, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's quite a few. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few. Um, I was in. I was. In, I was working in Cheers one night. Um, and this guy, I used to run a quiz night on a Thursday, which I don't do anymore, but I used to do a quiz night on a Thursday. And this guy used to come in every single Thursday night. And he was just like fascinated by me. Like he wasn't like a pain in the ass or anything. He would like, he would buy me a drink. And like every week he would say to me, like, can I take it out of a drink? Do you want to come home with me? And every week I would say, no, no, it's fine. I'm not coming home with you. Anyway, this one night I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to go home with him. He's been asking me every week for the past fucking God knows how long. I'm going to go home with him. Of course, I went back to his. So like a, a pity fuck. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, just that it's fine. So I went back to his and so I started obviously taking off my bottom half, but he had a thing which I didn't realise until this. He had a thing for the tights. So he's like, you know, you, you get, he's like, well, you keep on your, because you keep on your tights. And I'm like, what the fuck are you supposed to fight me? I've got my tights on. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll keep my tights on. And then he ended up ripping them. And my tights cost like fifteen pounds a pair, so I was really upset that he ripped my. T- I was really upset that he ripped my tights. Um, and then I remember, so so that 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 was fine. And then I remember I had to get myself home, and I had been drinking this night, so I didn't have my car with me. So, but so did you did pack. you say to him, "Look, these tights are expensive. You need to buy me a new pair." Oh no! Just, I think by this point, I just want. I think by this point, I, I think that was the very that was a. I think that was the last time that I probably went with the guy in drag. And at that point, I'm like, I just fucking want to go home because you fucking ripped my tights. I just want to get out of here. <laughs> I said that to myself. So that's how memorable um, the shag was then because you, yeah, yeah. you were worried so about your I didn't tights. Even th- I, didn't, I didn't even think we got that far because I was like pissed off they had ripped my tights. <laughs> um, so I phoned. So I had like a, um, I used to use like, a, like the same taxi company all the time. So all the guys, the drivers all knew me. Mm-hmm. So I got into the car that night and I was always very 
um, obviously pristine and proper and always look very, you know, serene. Um, but this night I got out of a taxi, my, my lippy was down here, my, wi- my wig was all fucking wonky. And the taxi driver knew me. He's like, Romy, because what's wrong with you tonight? And I'm like, just fucking get me home and stop speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, I'm sure that was the last night that I, yeah, did that. And then after that, I then progressed on to like the bigger wigs and the, the expensive jewellery and the expensive dresses getting made for me. So there's no way anyone's touching that because if they no way that... no one's touching there's no one touching my fucking wave no chance <laughs> not a chance oh that is really interesting it kind of makes you yeah navigate through the club in a very different way doesn't it like yeah don't touch me don't yeah. do, like do, do not get your don't drink near me. me don't come near me <laughs> yeah, cause, yeah cause, well, that, well that's what it's like now because before it would be like yeah before i like rip my wig off yeah, i could try it on and now i'm literally like seriously don't fucking touch me <laughs> i mean i'm not like people just know people are like don't touch Raymond's weave don't touch Raymond's weave like we have like we've got like a dressing room at the bar that i work in and i'm the only queen that works there just now but in the past time there's been other queens that like they leave all the stuff lying around and they're like they're, they're trying each other's wigs on and they're like you won't do that with Romy because she'll actually fucking batter you if you fucking touch her wig <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any memories of clubbing in Aberdeen? Have you ever tried tucking, maybe? Do you have anything that you want to say about this episode? If you do, I would love to hear from you. Get in touch and let's have a chat about the show and where you think we should go next on Lost Spaces. I'm on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter with the user handle Lost Spaces Pod. And whilst you're there, say hello to Romy on Instagram. Her user handle is MissRomy14. That's M-I-S-S-R-O-M-Y-14. And if you miss any of this, if you're on the road, I will make sure to put this in the show notes. Lost Spaces is not only a podcast, but a concept record as well. I have been writing songs about queer venues and the people who used to live their lives there, and will be releasing songs over the next year. You can hear the first single, Well Grown Boys, which is also playing underneath my talking right now, on all good streaming platforms. If you liked this episode, I would really appreciate if you subscribed, left a review on Apple Podcasts, or just told people who you think might be interested in giving it a little listen to. I am Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces. Lost Spaces.